Hello, and welcome to the first Don't Say That podcast. My first guest is Laurie Hume. Laurie, of course, is best known as Songs for Walter. The first Songs for Walter album was released a couple of years ago. A very, very fine piece of work. Um, And a very tender and heartfelt set of songs, uh, written largely about uh, the life of Laurie's grandfather, the, the Walter of the title. Highly recommended if you've not come across it. Uh, a really beautiful piece of work. There's a second song for Walter album, and we talk about that uh, during uh, our conversation, um, coming out on September the 28th. Uh, the date, uh, same date, um, that sees Laurie um, play a launch show at the Yes, the new Now Wave venue in Manchester. So we talk about many things. Uh, we talk about Laurie's creative process, uh, his musical upbringing and his plans going forward. And it was a really, really nice conversation uh, for, for both of us, I hope. Uh, I went over to Laurie's house in Stretford and we got very, very rock and roll. We ate cake, we drank tea and we chatted. We talked about all manner of things. Hopefully that comes across in what's about to follow. going to ask you a question at the start of this and um, it's probably more relevant now because of when we bumped into each other the other night which was going to be simply do you remember when you first um, not really got into music but do you remember at what age and what it was where you thought ah I'm, I'm getting pretty passionate about that now it's not just a kind of you know childish uh, distraction I'm like I mean how old are you I, I kind of two phases. As a child, mum and dad said, uh, I can't remember this, but I absolutely loved some songs. Apparently, I used to love Simply Red. All right, yeah. But they said it was like I was upset. I was obsessive about it, and I would sing along every word. I, I can't remember this at all. Um, and so I guess there's maybe always a bit of interest. Uh, I never thought it would become my whole life like it has done. Yeah. And then. I guess when I was about 12-ish, spending a lot of time on the computer, and I used to listen to Atlantic 252. Okay. Yeah. I kind of got, I remember, well, I remember I was into, I was aware of music before then and stuff, but I remember particularly liking stuff with guitar in it. Mm. And I remember listening to Radio 1 and stuff and thinking, not sure I like too much of this stuff, but I remember really really like it and bizarrely and probably quite embarrassingly the f- the first thing I remember really liking was Feeder and they had a song called oh, Insomnia yeah and it was from 1999 that's uh, pretty broad chunky Brit indie rock Brit yeah, grungy, yeah it's before they went completely shit but it was um, yeah and I can remember the song Insomnia I remember it really struck a chord to me thinking god I really like this song and then I had this brilliant week where I went to stay uh, at my cousin's house and I remember saying to my cousin like I like this and he was into guitar music and stuff mm. and weirdly later on he ended up recording the first song Swelter album but I didn't know this back then but he said well if you you know I know loads of bands that sound like this here's Nirvana who I'd never heard of here's the Smashing Pumpkins and then from then on 
realised this whole world was there. Uh, yeah, and, and kind of from there, really. So, yeah, so it was kind of... And also, as well as Feed It, was also Placebo. Oh, I remember yeah, seeing yeah. Nancy Boy. I remember seeing him playing that on top of the pot and thinking, this is really cool. Yeah. Uh, kind of, yeah. So, yeah, kind of not the, not the coolest start. No, no, but, but, okay, so you're at an age where... I don't know, I think maybe that's something that boys do in a way that girls don't, because I think girls perhaps discover yeah, very kind of popular chart pop at a much younger age. I th- yeah, I think you're right. Maybe five, six, seven. Whereas yeah. Boys, we're like, we're going to leave it a bit. We're going to leave it a little bit until we find something that fits a bit more appropriately. Yeah. We don't gravitate perhaps towards dance pop when we're kids. I don't know. Okay. But when um, when, I, when I bumped into you the night, we were at uh, Peter Hamill. Yeah. And you were with your dad. Yeah. And you said, he's dragged me along to this. Yeah. What, what, what kind of indicator was that of how then, you know, when you were growing up, the, the parental influence it was, was... It was definitely massive. I remember dad was, loved R.E.M. And he always oh, played yeah. my whole childhood. I can remember R.E.M. got very... Those kind of lovely childhood memories, hazy childhood memories. Yeah. I can remember REM really, really strongly. Out of time, I can remember that so much that album. I still love REM now. Um, yeah, but yeah, who doesn't? They're amazing. Yeah, and um, but yeah, definitely. And it was there, there was always music in the house, and I guess it was always expected that I would have. I didn't realize that I would, I would have a favorite artist or there'd be artists that I really enjoyed. Mm. Um. Yeah, so it was a huge influence, really was. And so he's dragging you to see Peter Hamill. Yeah, which was amazing. It was amazing. Amazing, yeah. Uh, somebody I've like idolised for a long, long time. Were there other examples of that where he'd be going out to a gig, and you'd go along because you know, oh, we just bought two tickets and I need some company. So I used to do that with my daughter. Really, funnily enough, yeah. I'm sure there was, but it, it almost in reverse, ah. he ended up taking me to a lot of my first ever gigs. So I can remember seeing Gomez, I think that was my oh, first yeah. ever proper gig, probably the May 2000. Where was that? Apollo. Oh yeah, they were big then. Oh, yeah, they were really big. Mercury. Wind. I think it was after Liquid yeah. Skin had come out, so I remember that, and then he also took me to see Placebo. In October 2000, and the Smashing Pumpkins. There was a whole, there was a run of gigs where, yeah, my other parents would take me to see these gigs. That's cool, though. It's really, it was cool. I don't don't know. I thought they would, yeah. My daughter's twenty now, and we started the serious gig going. Very similar to what you've described there. She was eleven, twelve, so we went to see Paramore, right, at the Apollo. Yeah, yeah, Uh, and we were. I forget it. We were five or six rows from the front in the balcony, and you could feel the balcony bowing <laughs> partway during the gig. Uh, and yeah, I've dragged her to some stuff over the years, potentially because there was a plus one. Right, of course. And um, she would probably have a different view on this, but maybe it was a 50 50 success rate. So for every. I'm trying to think of a good one. I'm trying to think of something she enjoyed, but she certainly got a list of stuff that I dragged her to that. She was not happy about, you know, like two hours on your feet and it's still going, like <laughs> crowded house and okay, yeah, Rodrigo, Rodrigo y Gabriela. She, she's 
I've forgotten that one. Um, I could see why if you're young, two hours of yeah, Rodrigo yeah. and Gabriel. I, I can, I can, yeah, I can tell you that two hours of Rodrigo <clears throat> and Gabriela stood uh, at the Apollo uh, downstairs, uh, probably about ten years ago now, <laughs> um, and you've not heard them before. That's not really gonna, yeah. And our whole kid. the whole the whole popular culture is just centered towards music with vocals. Mm. So you've got music that is largely instrumental, which they are, aren't they? They yeah, are. Yeah, totally instrumental. Instrumental. yeah I yeah, think yeah. it's why I think people get because I always play in my job. I play kids loads of different music, and they're always there's no vocals on it. I can yeah. see them thinking, "What's going on here?" They're having to make that leap. Yeah. So so you're teaching you're teaching guitar. Yeah, and I do now. I do whole class guitar lessons, which is borderline music lessons with guitar. So you've got a class of kids, all sat there kids. with their own guitar. Yeah, and you're and playing I the same thing do, in unison. Yeah, sometimes we do harmony, or mm. sometimes we do chords, but try and be quite uh, planned now. So we do all kinds of rhythm and pitch games, and then we listen to a piece of music, and they get to play a couple of songs. So is Harry that a leap? Potter at the moment. Okay, yeah. yeah it's my life. So, so is that a leap for them? Because they are exposed in the day-to-day to chart pop with vocals, as you say. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Right. It is interesting. It's interesting telling them, you know, there's lots of, probably most music ever recorded doesn't have vocals in it. You can see them. Yeah. Um, it's good to, it's a really, to play them different music is amazing, especially Angel of Death by Slayer. I played them that. Angel of Death, the song about... Joseph Mengo yeah, well, they don't yeah thankfully they can't hear the words yeah uh, what are you are you teaching them to sort of play the riff no 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 they, they this is just listening to the songs okay. and they have to write down on their boards what they think the tempo is like oh, and the okay. dynamics are like in the instrumentation so how do they respond to hearing somebody like Slayer for the first time how old are they nine eight wow. nine ten that's gonna blow them it's pretty it? yeah it's amazing you got, usually get a lot of the boys will pretend to headbang mm. and a lot of pretend to, oh, but most of the class is just you know well isn't it incumbent upon the boys to whether they like it or not actually say that they like it I think so there's a lot of, it's yeah. scary and muscular and powerful and yeah. so they've got to say oh, I like this yeah, so they, it, yeah. <laughs> even if they're thinking what is this what the fuck is this I th- mm. that isn't I, I, love, I do genuinely love that song I think it's so extreme and, and it's a deeply musical. The 32 were, years on, it's still it's yeah, still at shocking. That, at that it's point, they were deeply musical act, really. Yeah, yeah. And it's really hard to play. Yeah. Good band. Do you, outside of work then, do you listen to much instrumental music? I ask for a reason. Yeah, quite a lot. And the reason why is um, it's really good if, if there are environments like I, my philosophy on life at this point in my life is uh, never a quiet moment. So I think you can always have music on. Wow! I was going to ask you now, but I thought that we'd have to, even if it's ambient stuff. You know what I mean? I feel like it's just to not have music on is is just to shut out a whole a whole stream of information which could be there, which you can choose to ignore or not. So what I think instrumental music is really good for is say I'm round at my in laws' house or at my parents' mm. house, or you've got, I don't know, it just uh, people's voices yeah. are often what separates stuff from being 
I don't know. I don't say ignorable, but mm. you know what I mean. It, it can be quite divisive. People's voices. No, uh, they right. really are. And like, it doesn't matter if because even you've, you've got a great voice, that can be quite divisive. If you can't sing, that can be quite. It's really interesting. The um, I do like that notion of, as you say, not a quiet moment. I, um, you know, I live alone, so usually I'm in the house on my own. But and I, I did this earlier today. Uh, I realised that I didn't have any music on. And I've got a wireless, got a couple of Robert's wireless internet radios nice. in the house. Yeah, yeah. And one of them, uh, the one in the kitchen, usually, um, if I just switch it on now, it, the station that will come on is a, uh, a jazz station based in New Jersey called WBGO. Right. Which I'm obsessed with. Right. Um, but it's the kind of, because a lot of it is instrumental, depending on the show, it's the kind of thing that I can just have on sort of poodling away in the background and I don't need necessarily to invest in it it's not as if I've gone right I'm going to put this record on now because I want to focus on that record yeah, yeah so I, I yeah or that or like say, that. Or say you're working like you are like if you're doing that's like exactly job, what I did yeah, today instrumental music yeah it's yeah. so exactly what I did today so I was sat writing for three four hours but in the background I wouldn't have even considered having silence yeah so I just had instrumental music yeah but interestingly I don't know what you think about this but um you 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 may disagree with this. In actual fact, before I even make my point, I'm starting to disagree with it myself. At the start of this year, I kind of you know you're always in a different kind of um, uh, headspace, shit phrase, for particular types of I don't know art, so music, films, whatever. And yeah. maybe there are times when, and friends say this to me all the time, when you don't want anything particularly serious or deeply emotional. You just want some, you know surface level yeah crap yeah so I went through this period at the start of the year and I wasn't listening to any uh, well was just listening to instrumental music full stop wow because that was I didn't really want to listen to anybody singing about you know yeah how shit their life was <clears> or <throat> yeah, how yeah, sad they is, were yeah yeah uh, it just didn't work for me at that particular point so I'm just coming away from that now so I spent a lot of the start of this year listening to a lot of new um, interesting often sort of electronic or dance music that felt like a safe distance away from somebody saying anything too relatable oh, that would make me want to cry yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> so um, but I, I just wondered if you are you know a guy who deals in words to a large degree eat yeah, yeah, I guess so. Story I also time. think I also think as well to add to the category of stuff you can work to. Mm. A lot of the time is also stuff if you've never heard stuff before. If it's a completely new mm. thing, I often think that can be ah so backgroundy you... as well. Not for not for say not for the not for the in laws dinner thing, but say you were say you were doing what say you were yeah. writing all day. I think if you put on new music you've never heard before, that also has that kind of slight distance to it which allows yeah. you I don't know so you don't have to retread your existing emotional connection exactly with that yeah yeah
So, you were talking about, you mentioned earlier when you um, recorded um, your first album, which was probably um, a couple of years ago now. Yeah, 2016 it came out, but it had a long uh, process of being recorded. I mean, years, five years, something crazy like that. Okay. Um, Go on, sorry. No, I I was just, um, by way of research, not research, uh, I found myself digging out... um, some reviews of that record just out of curiosity yeah um, <laughs> I don't know if you do you read your reviews yeah I do normally do. yeah yeah Full enough before we go any further um, when we met a few weeks ago and we were introduced by a mutual friend um, who Will who was a music editor at the skin at that yeah. point yeah he turned to me and he went you, fucking, you reviewed his album you know I don't know if you're aware of this so I went that's why I recognise you in there so I went didn't I? I said yeah I said I remember liking it in fact I remember being very positive about it he said yeah you were and I'm like oh f- fuck for that <laughs> so anyway putting that aside <clears throat> and I was because I've checked you were, there you were a 3 out of 5 I was happy with that do you know what I didn't decide on that school every now and then just numbers appear on those because my view on that is look at the words what does it appear to say and I think you I don't want to dig myself to a hole here, but you look at my words and you look at the score, and I'm not sure the score quite reflects the positivity yeah. of the words. But hey. But it also works because I remember once my first band, we had a, I can't, we had a bad, we got mixed reviews, mm. some good. We had a really bad review in a kind of a big thing, Enemy or something. Right. That, was, that was still six out of ten, so I remember feeling like. Oh, it's, isn't it? It's shit, though, isn't it? When. <laughs> When I've seen this a lot of late, you know, like there's a lot of like really poor music writing, particularly online. Yeah, and you'll see them uh, just tying themselves up in knots to try to make some elongated, vague point, mm. and it sounds really like really bitchy and judgy. Yeah, and it'll still be seven out of ten. Yeah, and you think, Thinking like, do your job. Yeah, <laughs> but no, I saw a couple here. I thought, I thought one was. Um, there was a really nice one on Louder Than War. That was amazing, yeah. It was amazing, wasn't it? Was it was really good, wasn't it? But I loved, and, and this is connected to some of the thoughts I had about that album, where uh, the guy, Dave Beach. Dave Beach. Yeah, says, um, it's almost like he's, uh, it's, listening to this, it's almost like becoming wistful on somebody else's behalf. You find yourself yearning for memories that aren't there because they're not yours. Right. Which... What a that's a beautiful piece of writing. But then there was this awful one, and I think maybe I just want to talk about this because I'm quite interested in talking about uh, how I think we have become very not very smartly critical about music. We've become very judgy when we go to press. Right. This guy on Music OMA. Oh, that was yeah, that was a bad review. That one, Chris White. Yeah, doesn't live up to his promise. What a horrible thing to say about somebody. <laughs> That's just shit, isn't it? I what I was thinking about that review was... At like, least you're laughing. You laughed when you read full it. Credit. It's full of credit, but he also said things like... Um, I, I don't know. He kind of... He treated it like it was... Uh, and, and it's good to be treated as a professional, but he treated it like it was like my full-time job. I think he said, like, he still has to teach guitar for one day a week. I yeah, thought, I mentioned well, I that, guitar it? for yeah. five days a week. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, just think... Yeah. Mm. Um, but I don't know but I, I did think that to get a bad review I thought he kind of justified that I thought it was I thought it was a good bad review he oh, kind right. of said why he didn't like it and he 
he said, I don't know, it was interesting. But that was the one, mm. I don't know, he's just, you're gonna, just going to get bad reviews, aren't you? I could tell he'd listen to that once if you were lucky. Yeah. Doesn't live up to his promise. That's that's just a, just a shit thing to say about somebody. So that's, that's, just, that's just personal. So, tell me about Walter. So the whole thing, so before then, I was playing, I was in, my old band was called Beat the Radar. You know, kind of like a jangly yeah. indie band with, I don't know, I was trying to, it was quite good. Me and my, this singer was trying to steer it in a British way and I was trying to go an American way. Mm. Get this kind of. Um, and I just play guitar and I just love playing guitar and I don't really like singing. I still don't really like singing now. But I started writing songs and I was writing these songs and I just had like, had melodies but I had nothing to sing about. And during that period it's, I'd have, I had like a kind of gap year so to speak mm. which wasn't really a gap year I kind of taught guitar a bit listened to loads of music um, and I would go and see uh, my granddad once every month once every mm. two weeks I mean, we, were, we were close and uh, just go just to you know help him out and see him I had so much free I was only working two days a week mm. um, and he, he had a pretty ridiculous life and he'd say things to me like oh she wrote a book about my life and stuff and then I kind of had this idea I was like well I've got all these songs so maybe I could write maybe I could turn this into an album about his life and then when he died I had no way of recording stuff before then but my cousin Ed uh, who lent me Nirvana CDs years ago yeah. said well I, you know, he he was he had lots of stuff so he said come and record it with me so we did the first songs so how far flat. advanced was that uh, while he was still alive Non-existent, not at all. So we did it that. only after we died, right, unfortunately. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, but it was it was interesting. You know, that that whole generation is just a ridiculous generation. Well, in this for the for the Western world for England, which was whereby he was raised in almost I don't know ridiculous poverty. It was like eight or nine of them living in a two up, two down in the city of Liverpool, and then he ended up in the kind of suburban semi-detached house yeah. uh, and just the difference the difference between his dad's life and his just absolutely insane the, that uh, yeah that, uh, yeah and also you know World War 2 um, yeah crazy generation how old was he when he died? 93 okay good innings so you wrote your your debut album is is uh, you know the songs Look out into the world from the point of view of. Yeah, some of them do, and bizarrely, there's a couple of other songs on there which are nothing to do with them at all. Okay. Uh, just because I was moving away at that ah, point, right. but um, when it all got collected together, the labels are saying like, you know, these are three or four of your best songs. They probably should go on the album. In right. retrospect, what we should have done uh, was I should have done a short nine track album about him and kept that film and then kept that as a thing yeah, and then maybe I don't know but at the time I was kind of I was hedging my bets and I was thinking people are really this is going down really well with people and yeah. maybe I'll get a bigger fish coming along and you know I mean I was kind of playing the game a bit so in terms of the work you've done since then and in terms of uh, your next record you've quite happily and comfortably switched to your yeah, and, uh, and my big my, my big thing was, do I change my name? Um, 
you mm. know what I mean and just mm. change it just start again as new because A yeah. people really like new projects uh, and B the kind of name it doesn't make sense anymore but then I thought you know I've done all this work and I've built people know the name people know who it's I am brand, yeah. and yeah so I think I think I'll stick and it's some sort of a good name people say it's a good name yeah, yeah, yeah so it's yeah. like yeah bizarrely there's a book by it's up there somewhere this guy Jonathan Franzen do you know him yeah absolutely yeah which he's one? got a book called Freedom oh no I've not read Freedom in the end yeah, of Freedom yeah. he makes a CD called Songs for Walter and loads of people say to me are you named after the Jonathan Franzen oh, book I and know. I say no they don't know. it's a good book I've not I've, I've not read um I've only read the one that everybody's read uh, that made his name that the corrections right I don't I just probably whew, 15 years old now maybe more um, he's um, I don't know do you, do you read fiction not nowhere near as much the biggest thing I need to change in my life is I need to read more I don't read like I, I have every intention when I go on holiday I read yeah but just fitting it into my daily life absolutely terrible at it really bad but you like words yeah, and I lo- and I do like and I, I love you know I love reading and I love words. Do you like poetry? Yeah, I love poetry. Oh, good, because I brought you a present. <laughs> so really? gonna, yeah, yeah. So the intent of this is each, each time I'm going to give somebody a oh, book. Amazing. So I brought you a book, and she's thanks so much. I've heard about this. And oh, really? And she's um, performing soon at my friend's night. You know, at chapter one. It's at no, it's in common. It's a different oh, right. thing as well. So she's doing something at um, Murmur. It's called my friend Rory okay. style. Maybe it'll be tied in with that as well. But I've we heard should, amazing yeah, things. Yeah, well, we should say. So this is um, thanks Hero so Lindsay. much. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, you should, yeah, yeah. So this is Hero Lindsay Bird, um, a book called Hero Lindsay Bird, and she's an Australian poet who you know she's made a massive splash in. Um, in the past few years and I've only really just discovered her um, and a few people on my course have um, got into her a little bit but I made this huge um, what um, my friend Hannah described as a social miscalculation recently <laughs> where I actually um, just took a quick picture of a couple of pages of one poem that I'll point you towards in a second uh, within this book and just shared it on our Facebook chat group to utter and bewildering silence <clears throat> and um, yeah I learned that day that uh, one person's artistic approach is not necessarily uh, for everybody and it was this poem um, about Monica in Friends oh yeah I think someone's told me about this yeah where it's just this absolute raging diatribe <laughs> about, about uh, Monica from Friends that goes on for a good half dozen pages. But for me, she just nails it because it's just all about how um, Monica was awful. But there are ways that you can find to forgive her. Right. There are. <laughs> yeah. This is a, a good. A, thank you so much for this. This is amazing. You'll, um, it might, um, you know, it might not be, well, I expect it will be, but it, it's not, it's not for everybody, but it's really, for me, it's really kind of brave and unusual and then, yeah, you know, someone's got a poem called Keats is Dead, so fuck me from behind or something. Is that right? I, I would imagine. Keats is Dead, so fuck me from yeah, behind. Yeah, yeah. 79. Yeah. Right, I will yeah. read this and I will let you know. Yeah. Yeah. But I love, but I had, I didn't, up until recently, I was completely uh, unaware of how amazing poetry is. And what happened was. It's easily done, though, I think, you know. It's not, yeah, it's, I just, 
people think, and it's saying everything, but you, like everything, you have to scratch the surface, mm. and there's a whole world under there. Mm. And I think people think, myself included, that poetry was, I don't know, uh, yeah. Keats or yeah. Seamus Heaney or yeah. that kind of thing, which, which, which are amazing. But um, <clears throat> you don't realise that this whole contemporary, it's people explaining, the, you know, the world we live in right now beautifully. Yeah. the biggest thing for me was finding the book um, Emergency Kit which is a compilation of poems by Joe Shapcott is she called Joe Shapcott anyway but that's just it's just essentially it's like someone giving well for me it was like someone giving uh, a compilation of loads of amazing bands that would take you years to find okay in one book and it came out in the 90s and so there's millions of copies on eBay for like 10p and what's it's and it, thing what's it it's I think what? it was a night it was oh God, it was poems read from a, a poetry night okay. where they would read famous poets as well as contemporary poets right. would read and, um, and it's the bonds that maybe were the best I've ever seen don't quote me on that I could be wrong right. but it's just every single poem is interesting at, at worst okay. Joe Shapcott yeah is that um, a female Joe or a male Joe? Yeah, I think it's female Joe. Okay. But again, don't cut me on this. Maybe we shouldn't put this in the <laughs> No, no. no. Um, but, um, but yeah, but whatever you do, just get the book because it's just, it's an entire book full of amazing poems. And there's, there's people like Caroline Duffy's in there and Seamus oh, Heaney's yeah. in there, but there's loads of contemporary ones. Um, really, really good. Yeah, really good. So I, I spent, I did spend, I think I said before, but until when I turned 30, I began to think there are other things I should be doing apart from just listening to <laughs> teaching learning or reading about music because I am obsessive and um, when did you when did you turn 30? a uh, couple and 32 next month so oh my couple of well I um, blow me down okay. I wouldn't have thought that for a second thanks for that I <laughs> <laughs> look about 70 yeah, yeah so aligned anyway thank you um but yeah, but one of those things was we had the, we have a very talented uh, Camilla and I, and his partner, a very talented uh, poet friend called Luke Yates. Okay. And Luke Yates uh, has got a, a book of poetry, uh, a couple of books of poetry, and he's a brilliant poet. And we went to see him read, and I think he was he could see how uh, my enthusiasm. So mm. he started buying me little pamphlets of people, and then from then it kind of yeah, uh, so yeah, really yeah. Bad. They're just amazing. They're amazing things, and especially, I think sometimes they're very like photographs, whereby you can just capture a moment mm. so perfectly. Uh, yeah, and it's definitely yeah, absolutely yeah. Yeah, poetry is uh, a difficult one because you can um, you can find yourself reading. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't even necessarily have to be that literary. You can find yourself reading like a really good novel um, that's pretty gripping. And has like a strong, uh, relatable plot. And you can throw that to a friend, and they'll read it in a few days and pass it back. You you don't really do that with poetry, you know. You don't go, oh, I've just found this, this amazing new poet. And you talk about Keats. I mean, I studied Keats at A level, right? And I swear to God, that book, the Hero Lindsay Bird book, is the first collection of poetry I've probably bought in six, seven, eight years. It wouldn't surprise me. I just think it's easy to drift away from it. But yeah. as you say, and I'm going to misquote you now from five minutes ago, <laughs> there are people who are telling us about the world or, you know, they're presenting their world to us yeah. and in a unique way yeah. that many of us can't do. Yeah. 
and in which we all relate, which we all can relate to, Ruth. Yeah, absolutely. And not only that, but there is this whole world. Just think of all the poets that haven't made it yet or are never going to make it, who are also brilliant. It's just the same thing with bands. You know, there's just this unlimited stream of amazingness. Yeah, but bands though. There's also this unlimited stream of just shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. What do you think about <clears throat> saw somebody uh, posting on Facebook? Uh, friend of mine on Facebook was posting about the continuing, never-ending, just inexhaustible flood of blokey indie guitar bands who are here to save music. Yeah. As if it still needs yeah. saving. Yeah. None of them should be making it. I mean, I don't know. I'm not going to mention any of them because I might be insulting somebody you like. But yeah. you know, bands like... like Blossoms or yeah, yeah, cabbage, cabbage. Know, what? No, you, you into that? Punk, they're punk rock. Those guys, cabbage. You into that? No, I, I also as well. I have a, I have a, and this is a really, it's a bad thing. And I think a lot of people, uh, when I when I spoke to Lee Barlow, I thought he had it as well, which is you never really judge music that's coming out at the present time by yeah. people the same age as you. I would always be wary of it. Mm, whereas a lot yeah. of stuff whereas I have got this huge bias it came out in the 80s and the 90s I'll give it I'll, you know I'll give it an incredible amount of uh, patience and time yeah whereas a new band like I like for someone like Arctic Monkeys I don't listen to the Arctic Monkeys and they're probably amazing but I'm not going to see the Arctic Monkeys and I think it's the same thing like, I could tell Lou Barlow was saying like for me the 90s was just a really shit decade of music and I was just like what like that's my probably my favourite that. de- that's right that's probably my favourite decade of music but I guess maybe if you're not I I, I I mean let's come back to the Barlow thing because you supported him um, recently yeah. at the White Hotel which was a really good night but the Arctic Monkeys uh, using them as an example I think that's really quite good because they're a band who I think are kind of pretty smart and way ahead of the pack yeah. and they're really good I've never been to see them I've never bought one of the records yeah. and I wonder if that's just because they are when they emerged, they were four at that point in time, a particular pocket. They were. It was kind of that landfill indie yeah. bracket. Yeah. And they've been around for what, a decade now. And they've proved and themselves, yeah, they've yeah. evolved and they've proved, like, but I just, I'm I can't, not, yeah, I can't I see myself going back and going, right, I must listen to all five or six articles. <laughs> no, I'm just not going to happen. But I, I, same thing, I think a lot of people with like, like for instance, I love Nirvana and I still love Nirvana and I think they're just, I don't know, I, I genuinely think, you know, Cobain was a, he was a genius. Uh, that, but also one of the great one of the great singers yeah and lyricist and he was yeah. you know just the full package but I think a lot of people I know who around that time just kind of think it was like commercial and bland well they were wrong and yeah of course I mean were, that was a mistake but, like, but I wonder if people I wonder if like if I had to wonder if my children will think like you know dad I can't believe you didn't go and see the Arctic Monkeys are so amazing no and I'll just be like, I don't I, mm. you know, in theory, the pattern is the same, but I don't know. Everything I've just said about the Arctic I'm going to take back now because we're talking there about a decent, okay act. Yeah. Who've acted with relative dignity, I think. Yeah. But with Nirvana, you're talking about a once in a generation, uh, epoch changing, epoch defining yeah. artist, never, never to be seen again. Yeah. You you're talking like I think I I agree. You get one every twenty yeah. years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. I know. Well, I know you're right. Who else do you like? 
from that point in time, you know, bands like oh, God. so. I guess the whole thing was uh, just this stumbling across guitar music in the nineties and just scratching away, and then getting into the Pixies and I was Sonic sixteen. Youth. Sonic Youth are my favourite band. Yeah, and What's I adore. Oh, it's a really hard question. You, you so, could... I, I, there's two answers to this. There's, there's 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 the truth, which is it's Daydream Nation. Okay, and there's what I want but to you be don't true, want to say which is evil. Okay. But love, Evil, Sister, JJ Nation, The Whitey Album, Goo, Dirty. Just think it's ridiculous. I just think they're the. And also, Confusion is Sex, they're just a ridiculously good band. And for me, as a guitarist, they kind of change everything because I was really into alternate. I was getting into alternate tuning, so to speak. Mm. But to do something that extreme, I don't know, it blew my mind. And I, I don't know. I, just, I also, when I listen to all the music I listen to, I realised why they are my favourite band because they are at the confluence of pop mm. and experimental weird yeah. stuff and that's kind of where that's where I am like I yeah. love pop and I love experimental they, they, yeah. they tie everything together good tunes nice great tunes of art original yeah they go very yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah no I love them and they're one of the I would say one of the I've probably got three or four bands who I didn't see and I hate myself for not seeing and could have seen easily did you not really no did Jeez. you see them yeah? yeah 21st birthday Camilla oh. got me tickets to see him do Daydream Nation all the way through in Glasgow it was absolutely amazing that I saw a few times um, played the academy oh yeah I could I could probably list all of the last sort of half dozen Manchester gigs and I just didn't yeah. know Kim Gordon was 65 yesterday was she yeah yeah Jesus. yeah mm. she's a bit I just a lot of band I also quite like the um, the recent Thurston Moore stuff yeah I really like it he's made some good records he's made some he's, he's actually he has booked the trend and most bands get worse with time, but I think Thurston yeah. is just keeping Still going. I love that Demolished Thoughts, that the yeah. acoustic album. I was always like, Winners Blues always one of my favourite Sonic Youth songs. And I always a bit, I always thought there's this whole acoustic avenue that is barely explored. There's that Friend song that was on Demolished Thoughts came out. Did that came, that come out around about the same time that Jay from Dinosaur Junior released a was it? he released a acoustic album. He did at the same ish yeah, time. Yeah, it was. I liked a lot with with a title I don't remember. I can't remember. I'm not. I love Dancer. I'm not clued up on Jay Masses too much. Well, Dancer Junior so much, but I'm more weirdly. I'm more Sebado. Uh, apart from apart from you're living all over me, which I think Dancer Junior is just maybe the best album I've ever made. So this brings that. us back to when you supported Blue Barlow oh, yeah. last month, <laughs> uh, which was a really good night. And he, I'm not, I'm, I'm a keen Dinosaur Junior fan, but don't really do the solo stuff or the side. And I mean, Sebado, I've dipped into over time and yeah. they're really good. Um, but for that band and their offshoots, you just have to be a real expert because there's so much. Yeah. And it's complex and, and stuff. But I was surprised because Lou Bolo that night, who I presume would just be sort of a miserable sort of truculent kind of guy he was like really charming and warm and he was taking requests he was he was taking yeah. lots of yeah did, did, you, did you get to sort of meet him or spend any time yeah I did I did I um yeah we, we spoke a bit I met him 10 years ago when oh. Sebado reformed I actually wait I was going to say it on stage I thought it was too cringy I waited for him what outside of Academy too oh, no, and he signed be. my he signed my bake sale yeah and he said um 
yeah I remember being really nice then and then this time again he, got, he signed my record again but I didn't I should have said to him I waited for you but I didn't yeah no I, I think he would have liked that I thought well, he wasn't he that, that, it was good he showed me what, a few years ago not so much now I was, I had a friend of mine ran these brilliant cover nights in Brixton mm. and they would cover albums from a certain year and I did quite a lot of them but um, one year me and uh, these guys did Bake Sale by Sebado Mm. So I kind of knew that record into that, but there was a couple of because it's a funny album that, and he plays. He's got a funny four string guitar that he plays in a bit of a weird tuning. And so I was like, "How do you play this backstage?" And he showed me a couple of chords. After his set, he was kind of holding court with some guys in the bar at the back. Right. But no, it was a good gig. Apart from there were some dickheads in the crowd that night. Do you remember that guy shouting? Yeah, yeah. He's a he, he's, been, Lou. he's been at a few gigs that guy, and then um, he's I can remember he's, face, he's yeah. quite divisive because like he did make. I went to see that band Spinning Coin from Glasgow. Oh yeah, what, were they brilliant? They were at the White House, weren't they? Yeah, they played there. It was actually at the Eagle when I saw them. Oh, yeah. I think they're a brilliant band. Not, not but really. he was there, and he was me- kind of making everyone laugh, and the band laugh. And it, I thought it actually enhanced the atmosphere. And okay. going like, yeah, you know, song. But it was, it was inappropriate. And I remember some guy kicked off, didn't he? There was only a punch up at the end, I think. Because he said, yeah. like, "You've ruined that gig for me." He was doing it all the time. It was, it was, it was inappropriate. I think. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's a good job that. Luke was in a good mood that night or else it could have yeah well why not shout at that once every five songs yeah yeah, reduce I felt like he was like he was turning the whole thing about him like it was that's it yeah that's entirely yeah you've got you've got a good shout but you don't need to yeah (laughs) okay and and again when we were talking the other night at the Peter Hamill gig uh, and I said something that your that your dad Graham yeah really seemed to latch on to where I 
I kind of picked up on what you were doing between songs where you were say tuning your guitar or preparing to play the next song you seem just intensely relaxed so you were like chatting to the crowd as if you were barely thinking about it so the the, the, the one, the one said that because I was really nervous I was really I was come un- across all. uncharacteristically I don't yeah. normally get too nervous I think I was just like the whole thing was so because it's a bit of a dream for me supporting Lee Barlow I can imagine yeah. uh, and just like I've been so obsessed with you and just to do it I just remember just thinking like shit I'm actually this is actually happening okay and like um, Damon Babbage and Boy come down to watch me I haven't seen him for a while so I'm kind of see that. well yeah well, he, he, he loves Lee Barlow but he's kind of I remember like so kind of like it's a little bit of like yeah, you know, I want to be good because I want to impress Damon and stuff. Um, so he was there, and I remember just thinking like, "Oh, I'm very nervous here." But I'm, glad, I'm glad you said that. Were you happy with what you did? Yeah, I've played I've played better gigs. Should be, uh, but um, I thought it, yeah, it was all right. The fireworks at the end were good, weren't they? There was some fire last song. I think there was some fireworks yeah, was going. That? I couldn't tell what it was. I thought it was a. I couldn't. I could hear this noise, and I thought it was a problem with one of the um, speakers. Yeah. But yeah. Well, immediately I just thought that sounds like fireworks. It can't be fireworks, but. It was. It was. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Everyone was smiling. So, sorry. No, it's just interesting because uh, your dad immediately knew what I was talking about when I mentioned the fact that you know you were tuning your guitar, and as you were doing it, you were just without looking at the audience saying, you know, did anybody see Dinosaur Junior last night? And it was all very relaxing. And it can be. I think it can be really awkward if you're a support act if you display uh, to some degree. I think your nerves, but to some degree also. You present yourself with the sort of you know reduced confidence of a supporter, almost like I know my place. Yeah, that can make the crowd nervous, and we don't want to feel nervous. Yeah, you to take charge, and it, it worked really well, I think. Okay, that's good to know that. And, uh, and so there are basically do it again. It tends to be. I will. I will do for now. I'll tell you. Um, there tends to be two kind. There's some gigs where you think. I'm relaxed, I'm in control, happy doing it. And there's some gigs where you don't, where you have a bit of doubt and it's kind of, I think it's, you've got to pretend to protect yourself as if you're already feeling like mm. the prior one. But it's, I'm glad you said that and I will do it again. Because after two, because I use like different tunings, you've got to, you know, yeah, yeah. tuning's a part of me playing guitar. Do you I'm feel, comfortable with it? And do you feel it, less confident without a band or what's the difference? Depends. Probably do actually, now you've mentioned it. Yeah, probably Exposed. do. Exposed, yeah. And also as well, I have this thing with like, like I don't have the greatest voice and with the guitar, you kind of know where you are with the guitar, like if you practice it, mm. whereas like with singing, it can be a little bit, oh, I'm not sure what's going to happen or you can like, you have every intention to sing in tune, mm. but it's kind of, I don't know, the, the, the physicality of it means you don't sing in tune, it's a bit like, ah, oh. yeah, I don't like that lack of control. Interestingly, I mean, I've only just remembered this, so I'll shoehorn it really smoothly in now. I once asked somebody else that question. I asked her, do you know the singer-songwriter Irina Palo? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I asked her that once because I'd just seen her play solo, but also with the band several months before, and she said she felt safer solo because she knew that if it if there was going to be a fuck-up, it was on her. So she didn't right. have to worry about the band keeping up... Not making any mistakes. Right, very nice. Interesting. Yeah, it is. I've, I, I've been at songs about the band as well because it's incredibly uh, simple. It's really simple songs and things like I've got. I know I've got the guy who drums for me, just an unbelievably good drummer, virtuoso drummer. What's his name? Uh, Liam. He's called. Is he? Who else does he play with? Uh, Nasdaq. He plays for Lone Lady. He plays. Oh, okay. Uh, he's yeah. also an amazing guitarist. 
But I, I say, I mean, it was an yeah. interesting point in my life. I never knew before, but I know about, I know five like incredibly good drummers. There's always this problem when we were growing up, just finding a good drummer was always. Like, I like yeah. a good drummer. Oh, God, you know, you know, when you watch your band live, I like a good drummer. Not yeah. a, not a too busy. No, there's some albums that are ruined. For instance, yeah. Frank Black's album "Teenager of the Year." Okay. People love that's ruined because of the drumming. I think there's a lot of. If you listen to it again, it's just the drummer's just great. He's got some like virtuoso drummer. It's just every gap is filled. It's like a you know, chill out. <laughs> no, sometimes you've got to do that kind of uh, sort of metronomic, sort of Stephen Morris type thing. Just yeah, keep, keep the beat, keep the beat, fill when you need to. But yeah, step back. If some sort of was a full time band, I'd probably get. If Liam was jumping full time, I'd probably get him doing maybe something else at the same time because it's just so simple what he has to do, and the songs they need that simplicity. But I always feel a bit guilty because I'm like, Jesus, guy's an amazing drummer. Okay. And he says he says he's, he says things to me like, um, oh, it's really good for me to practice playing and to be that restrained. It's really good for my musicality. This is the most. This is the nicest way of saying this is boring as fuck. It's a compliment in there somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, um, what's Happening with album number two. Then. Album number two. I get the masters back next week. I had to have it remastered, uh, just because um, I, I got the singles mastered by someone else. And uh, another, the both, both people did it were great, but the difference between the singles and the album was so extreme that I had to have it all done by the guy who mastered the singles. What, what was different? Uh, the mastering. So when you after you finish a record, you got to get it mastered, which. I didn't know what this was until about two weeks ago. Essentially, yeah, it makes it, it well, it, uh, you won't, be, the difference is just unbelievable, yeah. but it makes it, well, much louder, same volume as most yeah. of the music, uh, kind of fuller, wider, it, it kind of multiplies it by ten. Yeah. I just didn't yeah. even know. Uh, crazy, and then, uh, I, was, I was just, I was reading this article online, um, and it was putting forward this idea of, you go to a studio, you record 12 songs, uh, and they're, you know, they're produced, they're mixed. Those 12 songs exist. But if you stick them all now next to each other in some kind of uh, presentable format, it's just not going to work. Yeah. They could, you know... Unless you do it all... Yeah. There are, I mean, there might be only, but like, someone like Sonic Youth, they just record everything live apart from the vocals. So okay. if you're doing that, you But yeah, but most of the time... Because you're doing it in process. Yeah. yeah, but most of the time you are like different, yeah. Or or it would sound okay together, but when you compare it to another album, it would just sound crap or weird or too trebly or too. Okay. But it's a very dark art and it's very expensive, um, and there's loads of physics involved. Like he was saying to me, the guy who's doing it was saying, if you want it mastered for vinyl, when a vinyl goes, <coughs> as you go close to the center of the vinyl, it loses treble, so, so you have to artificially to boost the treble. It's, there's all this kind of there's all this stuff going on. <laughs> Ah. So you're gonna release it on vinyl? I think so. Yeah. So the you're point doing the first on vinyl. Yeah. The point I'm still at is I'm just when I get the masters back, I'm gonna uh, shop it around, so to speak, and see if anyone's interested. How the hell does that work? Uh, quite a lot of emails. Yeah. Having a full album, I've realised, puts you in a much stronger position. And I've okay. even got the art. You say, look, here's the album. Here's the press release. Here's the artwork. You just chuck it out if you can. So we'll see. And I've got like a manager and he's going to help me out. Uh, and I've got, you know, if nothing else, there's always like the different levels of labels, obviously. Mm. Um, so I guess I'll, I'll try the whole strata. But surely by now, coming back to your, you know, established branding, surely uh, anybody 
who gets the opportunity to release it is going to go oh yeah this will you think so you think so I guess, I guess it's expensive putting out it's a bit of a risk putting out a vinyl mm, I don't know I don't presume to understand the music industry yeah do you it seems just <laughs> it's insane it's insane it's bizarre why would you want to be part of that it's don't do it it's nuts it. it's nuts well I think there were some of the, the some of the biggest things is and it's like everything it's just there's, there are rules and there's a game plan involved and if you put albums out at the wrong time of year you can mm. completely mess up your entire like band's careers must have been messed up because they put an album out in the wrong month it's just like ah, something else got no, the attention or, no just, yeah. Yeah. and what's it like being in uh, the music industry in Manchester these days it's really good I feel like the um we're seeing I was still when I I guess uh, I was kind of finding A who I was and mm. B who you know the real good people were in the scene but I feel now there's a lot there's a whole new generation so to speak that, of young bands and my theory is uh, that they've all been these people have been brought up with access to most of the music ever made mm. and also the, all the lists on the internet that says this is the best music ever made a lot of them being right so we're getting this whole generation of people who are skipping the average stuff that I had to get into like feeder like we talked about before and okay. placebo and they're going straight for Sonny Eve and they're going straight for the, mm. you know they're going for the, 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 the greatest bands they say um, they are they say they are I mean, they, 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 yeah but it's, it's, <laughs> it's got to be there must be some kind and I guess it's reflected in like for instance I mean, he's an exception, but my friend, you know, Kieran Leonard. Oh, yes, yeah. His yeah. music, yeah, like he's, you know, Kieran's like a virtuoso. From Oldham, isn't he? Yeah, he's like a virtuoso musician, mm. but he knows, he knows a scary amount about music. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, he's incredibly bright and he's got a natural thirst, but you can just see him, he's just going through the whole history of music and he's just absorbing it all and taking it all into his, yeah. He's a smart guy. He's very popular, yeah. I was got the impression he was going to be huge very quickly. Yeah. I mean, Right, but he's gone to Oxford to do Portuguese. All right. <laughs> as, you do, as you do if you're going to be a rock star. It's not very rock and roll. <laughs> stop there. Yeah. Let's stop there. That's okay. perfect. Okay. Asia, it's all right. Yeah, perfect, yeah. You're good. Oh. I, didn't even, I didn't mention Bill Callan either. swimmingly wouldn't you say well I think it did anyway hopefully you enjoyed that thank you so much to Laurie for talking really really good conversation I thought um, really warm generous um, guy and I, I I hope it came across um, for you listening just a quick reminder that the second songs for Walter album and endless summer days D-A-Z-E of course is released on September the 28th and that's the day on which um, Laurie plays a launch gig at the new Now Wave venue, Yes, in Manchester. So, get yourselves along to that. Um, going forward over the next few weeks and months, uh, this podcast will feature interviews with um, artists, musicians, writers I admire, uh, some of whom I've spoken to before, 
um, some of whom I haven't. Um, the next episode will be with you in just a few weeks, so look out for that. And thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.